Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And now for today's environmental news brief. From WFHB and after a week-long break, this is your environmental news brief for Thursday, January 13th. I'm Nathaniel Weinsapple. The Environmental Protection Agency has begun shutting down coal-burning power plants in the states of Ohio, Iowa, and Indiana. The power plant affected in Indiana is the Clifty Creek Power Plant in Madison. The reason that Clifty Creek and other power plants are being shut down is due to the toxic wastewater lakes that are a byproduct of the plants and frequently leak into the groundwater or nearby streams. The substance found in the wastewater lakes is coal ash, which is a toxic mix of arsenic, mercury, and other potentially dangerous heavy metals that can result in both illness and death in wildlife and humans. While this is a good step in stopping the pollution, a recent study by multiple utility companies throughout the United States has found that contamination from coal plants is a widespread problem, occurring from the East Coast to Alaska. According to Scrubhub and the Indianapolis Star, now is the best time for Hoosiers to get their chance to see one of the United States' greatest conservation successes, the bald eagle. Ever since the U.S. bald eagle population reached its lowest number 50 years ago, the species has been protected and reintroduced in numerous states, including Indiana. They now live in large numbers along the tributaries of the upper Mississippi River and other bodies of water. This includes a sizable population around Lake Monroe. Now is the best time to see the birds because they are easier to spot in the winter as there are fewer leaves on the trees. The birds are also more numerous due to many of the eagles traveling south to escape some of the northern cold weather. There are bald eagle nests all over the state, so keep your eyes on the sky and you might be able to catch a glimpse of one. A report from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association has found that during 2021, the United States was impacted by 20 climate disasters that caused over $1 billion of damage each, making it the third costliest extreme weather year on record. These include such notable events as the Mayfield, Kentucky tornado, and Texas's frigid cold electrical power blackout. Similarly, this year saw Colorado's most destructive wildfire in its history, resulting in $10 billion worth of damage. Around half of the entire United States population was impacted, often unknowingly, by a drought during most of last year. This report comes out at a time when President Joe Biden is trying once again to get West Virginia Senator 
Joe Manchin to support the climate and environmental policies found in Biden's Build Back Better plan. Scientists predict that extreme weather events will become more frequent if climate change is not efficiently addressed. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. And now for our environmental headline stories. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service can grant protections to the American bumblebee under the Endangered Species Act. In the past two decades, American bumblebee populations have dropped by 90%. At one point, the American bumblebee occupied one of the largest geographic ranges of all bumblebee species in North America. Today, in the Midwest and Southeast, as many as one in every two bumblebees has disappeared. In eight states, the bee has vanished completely. Driving this collapse are the climate crises, disease, habitat loss, and especially pesticide use. The states that saw the greatest decline in bumblebees numbers are the ones that had the largest increase in their uses of pesticides, including the class known as neonicotinoids, these pesticides weaken the bees' immune systems, disrupt their ability to communicate, and diminish their ability to find and return to their homes. Between 45,000 and 100,000 American bumblebees from hundreds of different colonies died after coming into contact with trees that had been treated with neonicotinoids outside an Oregon shopping mall. Of the 100 crops that supply 90% of the world's food, 71 are pollinated by bees. If nothing changes, the collapse of this bee species will have devastating consequences on our country's food webs and ecosystems. After months of lining up leases with several property owners to create a more than 1,660-acre solar farm near Zionsville, Next Era Energy saw the project blocked in August by Boone County officials. Boone County Commissioner Tom Santelli said there were too many red flags with Next Era's plans, which led the County Planning Commission and Board of Zoning Appeals to deny the company's variance request. Quote, they were coming in from Florida, they weren't from Boone County, and they didn't have that sense of ownership that we have as a county. The quality of life that we're looking for wasn't there. They were going to put solar panels on all three sides of homeowners, end quote, Santelli said. The Indiana Chamber of Commerce, the state's largest business organization, is again calling for legislation that would set statewide standards for the siting of solar and wind farms and remove some of the local hurdles such projects now face. The Chamber's stance on the issue is that the state, which is phasing out use of coal plants, is falling behind in terms of access to renewable energy and thus deterring potential businesses that want the resource. Renewable energy developers have clamored for state standards, saying they are tired of negotiating and jumping through local hoops before moving forward with projects or seeing them canceled at the last minute after huge upfront investments. For example, a proposed solar farm in Posey County received much local opposition because the residents said they preferred looking at corn rather than solar panels. This is one of the most polluted counties in the USA.
but local officials have said they want to keep those decisions in their hands because they know what is best for their communities. Some state lawmakers tried and failed to pass statewide standards for renewable energy projects a year ago, only to face backlash from local governments. This year, they are considering bringing back the bill in a watered-down form to provide incentives to communities to accept statewide standards. Utah's Ashley National Forest is in the crosshairs of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which has approved construction of the new Unita Basin Railway. The railway would let trains rumble through the protected area. Construction would ruin wetlands and destroy up to 10,000 acres of wildlife habitat, all to transport planet-destroying oil. Ashley National Forest contains a diverse landscape of lakes and streams, mountain cliffs, pine forests, and high deserts. It's home to hawks, eagles, elk, deer, geese, loons, bears, cougars, moose, marmots, and more. Trains carrying oil would disturb this relatively remote habitat regularly. The railroad would cut directly through the forest. The railway could transport 350,000 barrels of oil each day. According to a group opposing its construction, the railway would pour as much as 53 million metric tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere every year. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has the power to stop this plan, which would accelerate the destruction of habitats around the planet because of the climate crisis. A story in the Chicago Tribune in 2021 describes Indiana's attitudes about the environment. Nothing described here has seen improvement since the story was published. Indiana leads the nation in toxic pollution emitted per square mile, according to an EPA report. In 2019, 882 facilities disposed of 123.3 million pounds of chemicals harmful to humans or the surrounding environment, according to the Toxic Release Inventory, an EPA report published annually. Within the EPA's Region 5, spanning six Midwest states, Indiana ranks first in pollution, accounting for 27% followed by Ohio at 23%, Illinois at 22%, Michigan at 16%, Wisconsin 7%, and Minnesota at 5%. Advocates have long called for Indiana to do more to curb pollution, including more funding for the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, which said in 2019 that it was kneecapped by years of declining budgets. The agencies funding fell by 20% from 2007 to 2018, hampering its ability to protect the public, according to the Washington, D.C.-based Environmental Integrity Project. The top priority for the legislative session appears to be lowering taxes, again confirming the low priority of the environment. Indiana's top ranking for pollution was alarming, especially since it ranked ninth in per capita U.S. cancer patients, Hoosier Environmental Council Executive Director Jesse Carbonda said. Some examples of pollution in our state are U.S. Steel Gary Works was the state's top polluter, dumping 22.5 million pounds of pollutants, mostly on land, according to the EPA. It also released 312,000 pounds into the air, 268,000 pounds into the water, with an additional 287,000 pounds through off-site disposal or other discharges. 
AK Steel Rockport Works, a mill near the Kentucky border, ranks second with nearly 20 million pounds of pollutants discharged into the water, 1.7 million pounds on land and 815,000 pounds in off-site disposal. In Vanderburg County, the comprehensive health care platform, FineCare, used results from a Harvard study to determine that the county is the seventh most polluted county in the country for fine particulate pollution. Coal-fired power plants are a primary source of fine particulates. In an effort to pressure President Biden to improve his dismal record on the climate, members of Beyond Extreme Energy led a week-long occupation near the president's home in Wilmington, Delaware. People maintained a round-the-clock encampment at 909 Center Street from December 25th to January 1st. They demanded that Biden declare a climate emergency and use executive orders to halt all new fossil fuel development. In the course of the week, 200 people came through the encampment. A smaller number of organizers were constant members of the camp sleeping in cars and tents. The activists undertook the action hoping that the Bidens would be in their home three quarters of a mile from the encampment at some point during the weekend winter holiday and they were. The activists set up people with signs at either end of the long road the Bidens live on. When on December 31st, a Biden motorcade came past the activists at their checkpoint on Route 141 and right by the camp, the activists chanted, Biden, be bold. The week culminated in a march from the occupation to the front of Biden's house, where 50 activists placed flowers at the feet of a police barricade. The activists attempted to deliver their demands to Biden, but the Secret Service refused to pass them along. Several people symbolically blocked the road before ending their rally. Beyond Extreme Energy is part of a growing coalition of climate groups focused on bringing climate justice literally to Biden's doorstep. A report from the New York Times concludes the fate of the imperiled Build Back Better bill in Congress will have major consequences for America's ability to tackle climate change, researchers have estimated. If the bill passes in something like its current form with hundreds of billions of dollars for clean energy, the United States could get within striking distance of President Biden's goal to cut the country's planet warming emissions in half by 2030. That could bolster global efforts to stave off a drastic rise in temperatures. But if the bill dies, it could prove extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the United States to meet those aggressive climate targets. This week, Senator Joe Manchin, a key Democratic swing vote, said he opposed the current version of the bill, putting legislative talks on the brink of collapse. Quote, there's still a yawning gap between where we are today and where we need to be to hit President Biden's climate targets, end quote, said Jesse Jenkins, an energy systems engineer at Princeton University who has led an effort to model the effects of the Build Back Better bill on U.S. emissions. Without either this bill or a climate bill that's similar in scope, it's really hard to see how those goals will be met. Earth has already warmed roughly 1.1 degrees Celsius, 2 degrees Fahrenheit, over the past century, fueling ever more dangerous heat waves, floods, droughts, and wildfires. Mr. Biden has set a goal of cutting U.S. greenhouse gas emissions at least 50 percent below 2005 levels by the end of this decade, which is roughly the pace that scientists say the whole world must follow to keep the Earth from warming beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius and minimize the risk of catastrophic impacts.
The United States is not yet on track to hit those emissions targets, even though clean energy technologies like wind turbines, solar panels, and electric vehicles are getting cheaper and expanding rapidly. Various studies have estimated that the United States will only get about halfway to Mr. Biden's climate goal under current policies. The new $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law that Congress approved in November would only help slightly. It contains billions in new funding to research and develop low-carbon energy technologies such as clean hydrogen fuels, advanced nuclear reactors, and techniques to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. It also contains $7.5 billion to build a national network of chargers for electric vehicles. But apart from the vehicle chargers, many of those technologies could take years to develop and are unlikely to make a major dent in emissions over the next decade. That's where the Build Back Better bill is supposed to step in. The version of the $2 trillion bill that passed the House in November contains $550 billion in clean energy spending, including new tax credits for businesses that install wind, solar, geothermal, batteries, and other clean energy technologies over the next decade. Buyers of electric vehicles would receive up to $12,500 in tax credits. Coal-fired electricity generation in Indiana increased for the first time in six years due to significantly higher natural gas prices in 2021. But the trend is not expected to continue, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. The EIA said coal-fired electricity generation increased 22 percent due to natural gas prices more than doubling between 2020 and 2021. The agency said the increase is not expected to continue. The EIA estimates coal-fired generation will decrease 5% due to coal-fired power plant retirements and low production from coal mines. Coal-fired generation emits toxic mercury and other heavy metals, as well as pollutants like sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxides, and particulate matter, all of which cause negative human health effects. The Moscow Times reports the Arctic region could see a faster-than-predicted shift from snow to rain as its main form of precipitation if global carbon emissions are not drastically cut, an international group of scientists have claimed in research published in the Nature Communications Journal. Previous computer models had predicted that autumns in Siberia, the Arctic Ocean, and the Canadian archipelago would be dominated by rain instead of snow by 2090. But the latest model shows that this shift could happen as soon as 2060 to 2070 if the global economy continues to emit greenhouse gases at its current pace. Even if global heating is contained at 1.5.2 degrees Celsius, as the UN has urged, the shift would still bring significant consequences, not just for the Arctic, but for the entire world, the scientists warned. Quote, what happens in the Arctic doesn't stay there, end quote. The study's lead author, Michelle McChrystal, told The Guardian. The Arctic having very strong snowfall is really important for everything in that region and also for the global climate. The influx of warm precipitation could accelerate the melting of permafrost, the permanently frozen layer of soil that covers 65% of Russia's territory, the scientists said. 
Russia would, as a result, be especially vulnerable to the changes in Arctic precipitation, with permafrost melt already projected to cost the Russian economy $67 billion in annual damages by 2050 by damaging infrastructure and human settlements. Melting permafrost would, in turn, emit vast amounts of methane into the atmosphere, thus creating a feedback loop that would accelerate warming regardless of human efforts to curb man-made greenhouse gas emissions. Europe, North America, and Asia would see more floods and heat waves due to changes in jet stream patterns, the scientists claimed. The melting of Greenland's ice sheet has already been projected to accelerate indefinitely, but the new study's authors warned that it could collapse sooner than expected. Rain fell on the summit of Greenland's ice sheet in August, an event that shocked the scientific community, according to The Guardian. The rapid shift to rainfall also threatens local ecosystems by putting reindeer, caribou, and other species in the region at risk of starvation. Scientists are calling for the creation of an intergovernmental science policy panel on chemicals and waste like the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change. The scientists say industrial chemical pollution and its alleviation are severe worldwide problems. Scientists bemoan the dearth of urgency among the public and politicians, the inadequacy of chemical regulations around the globe, and the current inability of policymakers to prevent pollution. The journal Science published an open letter on this subject in February. By last month, over 1,800 scientists from around the world had signed on to it. In response to the letter, the Swiss government plans to submit a resolution on creating a science policy panel on chemicals at the February 2022 meeting of the United Nations Environmental Assembly. In 2009, an international group of scientists classified industrial chemical pollution as a threat that could make the earth uninhabitable for humans. However, governments usually act on pollution after it has occurred. Creation of an intergovernmental panel would enable governments to act faster and earlier on chemical contamination and would also grant the issue the urgency and visibility it requires, according to atmospheric chemist Robert T. Watson, former chair of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Until the formation of the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services in 2012, the climate crisis was the only major problem to be discussed around the world. Funding for the chemical panel will be a problem. However, the most significant hazard with chemical pollution, the climate crisis, and biodiversity, said Zhuan Wang, an environmental scientist, is that, quote, there is a tipping point and we don't know where it is, so we need to act fast. The news about climate change has focused on carbon dioxide increases in the atmosphere. Since combustion involves one molecule of oxygen for every molecule of carbon dioxide, we might ask the question of what happens to the oxygen level in the air we breathe. The Scripps O2 program measures the changes in atmospheric oxygen levels from air samples collected at stations around the world. This sampling network provides a global and hemispheric perspective on oxygen variability. The Scripps O2 program is based at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography at La Jolla, California, and is under the direction of Professor Ralph Keeling. Oxygen levels are decreasing globally due to fossil fuel burning. 
The changes are too small to have an impact on human health, but are of interest to the study of climate change and carbon dioxide. Since 1985, the atmosphere is losing 1902 molecules out of every 1 million O2 molecules in the atmosphere each year. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for our upcoming events. McCormick's Creek State Park will continue with their History Friday program on Friday, January 14th from 2 to 2.30 p.m., teaching you all about fossils at the falls. Meet at the Canyon Inn to learn more about the ancient history written in the stones. If weather permits, a short walk to the falls will take place after the program. Be sure to wear a mask while attending the indoors program. Join Anthony at the Lakeview Activity Center for a fun night hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, January 15th from 8 to 9 p.m. You will be hiking on Trail 5 while learning the history and folklore of the Full Wolf Moon. If you feel like it, try howling at the Full Wolf Moon. Take advantage of a small garden planning and design program on Wednesday, January 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Allison Jukebox Community Center in Bloomington. Winter is the best time to plan your garden and drool over seed catalogs. Learn the basics of crop planning and garden design. Also, learn about seeds, transplanting, and succession planting. Register by January 18th at bloomington.in.gov parks. It's eagle time at Monroe Lake. Create your own self-guided bald eagle tour with Eagles Over Monroe, self-guided bald eagle driving tour and scavenger hunt on Saturday, January 22nd from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Access the online interactive map at bit.ly slash Monroe Lake Eagle Guide. The scavenger hunt involves looking for six letters of the alphabet that are slightly hidden. Once you find all of them, unscramble the letters and mail your answer to jvance at dnr.in.gov. Enjoy a winter hike series hike at Brown County State Park on Saturday, January 22nd from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m to learn about the lake that never was. A third lake by the name of Taylor Hollow Lake was started at Brown County State Park but was never finished. The hike is two and a half miles long and very rugged with several creek crossings. This is the most popular hike of the winter hike series. Dress for the weather and wear waterproof boots. Meet at the Nature Center to carpool to the destination. 
And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's news brief was produced by WFHB reporter Nathaniel Weinzapfel. Juliana Daly, that's me, assembled the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to The Eco Report, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source for South Central Indiana, bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org. Thank you.